rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the Cosmic Force. I am one of your hosts, Emma Park, and tonight we are back after what feels like forever. We have missed you guys, but we're back discussing one of the recent comic books, some recent comic news, and running down what's on this weekly pull list. So we'll be talking about the Higher Public Adventures tonight. Very exciting. But first... It is our very own Caleb Namanak. He's been playing Halo. We've been playing Halo. He got me into Halo. Actually, everybody got me into Halo, you know? Uh, Talk about it, Caleb. It's a group effort. (laughs) Uh, Like, I was talking to a different friend, a coworker, and he said it's like Halo infinite right now which just hit it's like open multiplayer it's it's weird you're talking to people you haven't talked to in like 12 years and forming huge massive fire fights so it's great if you haven't got onto it you should give it a try halo is really really good but more importantly it's the christmas season so i have all sorts of christmas paraphernalia got a single uh christmas tree flickering in the background got my presents tie have my little wife's advent calendar it's time for the season but first, yes. it is time to uh, round out the trifecta of tonight. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm alive, um, barely. It's finals weeks, folk, or finals month, folks. Uh, so can't wait to go talk civil procedure tomorrow. Um, so fun, so fun. But in, for for tonight, I get a, a slight respite. I get a little relaxation. I get to talk about the Higher Public Adventures Volume One. So I'm very excited to do that with you too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, just so you know, Tyler is out today. He just had a to run off. He's we're you know I know we've been on hiatus and suddenly we I suddenly realized we went on hiatus. And now we're back with a three person crew. No, Tyler just had a little last minute thing that he had to uh, run to do. So we'll be covering on, but he will be here next week. Absolutely. So um, with that, um, if you are joining us for the very first time. Welcome. We are a Star Wars comics podcast that broadcasts live right here on youtube.com slash utini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you can't join us live, that is okay because we're also available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We're also part of the Utini podcast network with nearly a dozen shows and a discord channel at utini.com slash discord with more than a thousand members and dozens of channels to choose from. If you like what you see and want to say thanks, then head over to the, our Patreon channel at patreon.com slash Utini, where for as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini podcast network of shows, as well as exclusive merch and community involvement activities. So boys, we have a little bit of news to cover here first. Some exciting, exciting stuff. Uh, Caleb, do you want to you take our, our first bit of news here? Absolutely. Um, after a, I was almost about to say 10 year being gone, but uh, after a while, uh, during the entire 80s and 90s, uh, Star and early 2000s, Star Wars was run by Dark Horse Comics, and they've put out a litany of really great series. Uh, they lost their license when Marvel bought out the company, 
been, been subbing things out to IDW and as we're about to talk about later on today. But very recently, as in like two weeks ago, uh, they officially announced that uh, Dark Horse is gaining regaining the license to uh, Star Wars comics. What that looks like, we have no idea. We don't. They have not announced any new series. They haven't announced uh, what's going to happen to all the Dark Horse comics that were on Marvel Unlimited. It is an exciting time, though, because Dark Horse has had a lot of really great series over the years, and you know we may or may not be planning to uh, talk about them in a lot more detail, but it's exciting. I think it's very interesting. Now, to be fair, I haven't read a Dark Horse comic modern what's going on, so I don't. So hopefully, their publishing and their uh, management is in a really great straight uh, step right now. That said, it sure, sure looks like if uh, LucasArts is going back to them, but. We shall see what happens in the future, maybe in a couple of months when things start getting announced and released. Yeah, so this is actually really interesting. Do you guys know, so obviously Dark Horse is taking over the license for IDW and IDW is more focused on uh, sort of the younger audience. Does Dark Horse do any younger audience comic books? Does anybody know? I don't know any of, of any that they've done. Although again, I'm not, I like Caleb, I'm not a, I don't read Dark Horse out of Star Wars. Um, so we'll see. I mean, from what it seems, because like the rumor for a while that we talked about was that the IDW license was going away for uh, for all ages comics, not just Star Wars, but for Marvel in general, because Marvel had their all ages imprint for, you know, all their regular superheroes don't IDW as well. Um, so we didn't know what was going to happen. We thought a lot of these like higher public adventures uh, we're talking about tonight and Star Wars adventures might go away, but it seems like they are at least in spirit transferring over to dark horse. We, we don't know yet really anything. Um, if it will just be the same name for a different, uh, different publisher or if it will be completely different. Um, but you know, the quote that they had was we're going to have stories from the higher public all the way through the rise of the first order, which would be the higher Republic adventures through what star Wars adventures 2020 has been a lot of first order or, uh, sequel era stuff, at least that's where it started. So, that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Yeah, I think I think this is you know exciting, but also there, there's a lot of unknowns still. Um, I know that Legends fans are excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Horse was kind of the the golden age there of comics, but uh, so yeah, very interesting news there. And Jacob, we've got some exciting stuff starting next week. Tell us about that. Yeah, we do. It is crazy. I like I just like kind of. Realize this today that Crimson Rain starts next week, which, and it also, it got delayed. I think it was technically supposed to start this week, um, but, you know, it's comics. So, it, it, comics in 2020, <laughs> 2021, if it doesn't get delayed, um, I don't know. It's, it's a lie. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so, yeah, it starts <laughs> next week, which is insane to me. We just, we, like, just finished War of the Bounty Hunters. We got, like, a one-issue little breather for all the comics, and we're... Back in the Crimson Rain, although it won't be a full over full on crossover. Charles Soule did an interview with like CBR a few weeks ago uh, that kind of outlined it a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, we are starting Crimson Rain season next week. It's the start of the five issue miniseries uh, with the it's the five issue miniseries on the second part of the Kira trilogy. So a lot of words, a lot of excitement. The fact that you just said Kira trilogy just now made me so happy i just this is so it's just gonna be awesome man like Definitely. the fact that we're getting so many characters like um it was a ren 
uh, Ren mm -hmm. and uh, Chaneth Cha and um, yeah, the the preview that was on StarWars.com a few weeks ago got me really, really hyped. And I can't wait to see what happens. I hope we get some like flashbacks with her and Maul. That'd be really, really cool. I need to know what happened on Dathomir, man. <laughs> exactly. It looks like you're gearing up with a ton of like side characters and extra characters. So it's going to be crazy to see how this whole thing is going to... Um shake loose in the next couple of months like the first um issue of war the bounty Hunt hunters really blew us away i yeah. don't know if we'll have something quite that drastic such a huge like shift but who knows right. comics can surprise us we shall see what happens in seven days absolutely i mean you know issue one of war the bounty hunters brings in kira there's you know absolute shock like out of the blue i don't know i don't know how you can beat that excitement right there but who knows? I mean, we, we listen, they surprise us in, all the time. Yeah, we were springing Shizor uh, issue one. And, uh, <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, it's time for him to come back into canon because he's <laughs> just as well beloved as people like, you know, the Ook, the uh, clone slave, and um, and Thrawn. Yeah. He's in the same caliber as Thrawn, right, guys? Oh, of course. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We, we love that. He infamous for the exact same reasons, obviously. E yes. Exactly. I mean, and maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe a naked Palpatine will show up. That was, that's like just say? as infamous in the Utini circle, I, mean, I would Dark, say. I mean, Dark Horse <laughs> is back, so. Yeah, Dark Horse is back. Maybe now naked Palpatine will be back. All bets are off. Who it's knows? All it's all coming together. It is. It's all coming together. Where's Jared at? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think he still has about like five more minutes before he's done with his, his Wednesday evening obligation. But yeah, no. <laughs> Although we did, uh, now okay. that we now that we've said legends, uh, he might he might be cutting a little early. He, he might show up. All right. With that, um, next up is our weekly pull list. We've got three awesome comics this week. Jacob, take it away. Yeah, we start off with Darth Vader number eighteen, Red Revenge, written by Greg Pak, with pencils by Leonard Kirk. Uh, the cover is by Aaron Cooter. And the colorist is Alex Sinclair, and the letter is Joe Caramanga. Then we have uh, Bounty Hunters number eighteen, Galaxy's Greatest, written by Ethan Sachs. Pencils by Ramon Box. Uh, the cover is by Giuseppe Comancoli. The colorist is Brian Valenza. Uh, the letter is Travis Lanham. And then lastly, we have the High Republic Adventures number eleven. Written by Daniel Jose Older, the artist is Harvey Tolabao, and the colors are from Rebecca Nalti. So, as always, you can pick up the those three comics uh, using the links in the YouTube description down below. Um, I don't know what you guys thought. I've not had a chance to read High Republic Adventures. Um, Darth Vader, uh, it's a, definitely, it, it's feeling like a transition issue, which it was. Um, but I'm interested to see where it's going. And a little bit of the same with Bounty Hunters, but I did like it a little bit more, which surprised me. Like, I Bounty agree. Ha Bounty Hunters has been, like, really good these last, like, two volumes. Like, like everything is starting to hit now. Like, Valence is kind of a... He's kind of, a, like, a generic superhero. So, you know, he's kind of boring when he's just doing his own thing. But now that he's having like extra things to play off of, I think his character is working a lot better off this uh, this time around. I just really need yeah. to reread volume one and two to figure out who the heck like Same. the Unchained or all, like all these like uh, Corellian like crime syndicates and like 
you all kind of are the same to me. Um, <laughs> major, major same for me. Um, the, uh, the Montague's and uh, Capulets. Capulets and uh, Montague's, yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, they could be called that, and I, I couldn't even tell you if you were right or not. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, this might have been the first week ever that I thought Bounty Hunters was better than Darth Vader, which feels really weird to say. Um, or at least I enjoyed it more than Darth Vader. The ending of Darth Vader was fantastic. Yes, um, that's true. And I, I did read The Higher Public Adventures. Boy, that is heating up. I... Daniel Jose Older, man, he's so good. He's so, so good. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend reading that. All right, we are back. I have to say that Utini Gifts project was uh, a lot of fun to work on. I can't believe how fast Corey got that organized. It was insane. Um, he, he crowdsourced a lot of labor. He like, like yeah. literally two, was it two weeks ago? He just like dropped an entire Excel spreadsheet and it's like, hey, go to, uh, go to Amazon and find links. Yes, Go. absolutely. But, but you know what, it, it wasn't super hard to convince people to do it because the collectors on the team, like myself, I, f I felt like I was born to do this. Um, so here we go. If you're watching us live on YouTube, uh, we have the, uh, uh, Jacob showing off the website right now. Um, there's a bunch of different guides, uh, that you can get for gifts. Uh, this is the Funko one. So we have, uh, just a bunch of products that our team, uh, really love that fit a bunch of different categories. We've got uh, different characters and got a lot of themes. Grogu. A lot of Grogu. A lot of Grogu. Like, I, I, I was the one that did the Grogu tag. guide. So. He has a specific tag, yes. <laughs> he does, he does. And you know what? It was. It, it didn't take me very long to find like t more than 20 uh, Grogu items. And uh, yeah, so gotta love Grogu. So if you're looking to shop for the Star Wars fan in your life, definitely check this out. If I, if I knew any Star Wars fans in my life, in my family, which I don't, but if I did, <laughs> I would definitely be using this website. <laughs> you know, I definitely, I found it very useful for um, Secret Santa stuff, like trying to give recommendations mm. for stuff to buy me. It's like, well, I don't know, like whatever, but it's like, hey, here's this website, go find something for me under $25. There you go. It's like, that's about it. Like anything you pick there, I'm probably going to enjoy. So it's perfect. It's it's like a Star Wars fans wish list, basically. All right. So now let's dive right into our roundtable on the first volume of Star Wars, The Higher Public Adventures. A little bit of background on this. It's written by Daniel Jose Older with art by Harvey Tolabau. The colors are by Rebecca Nalti, letters from Jake Wood. Uh, and this contains uh, the uh, issues one through five of The Higher Public adventures. It also has a B story from Star Wars Adventures number six, which I actually didn't know that. I mm -hmm. have the individual issues on comiXology and I didn't have the the trade. So that's an interesting tidbit. Yeah. Uh, does if, For those that read it, does that have anything to do with, with what, uh, with the higher public? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it's actually, I actually have the, uh, the floppy issue right here. It was, this was the B cover, uh, with, uh, Dr. Uter sound and oh, marching yeah. row. Oh. It was like and, a uh, and yeah, uh, Santeca. Santeca, yeah. Yeah, it was just a um a uh like the the back issue or the back story was a little story about like them running through the gaze electric on like a little mission. Not not the main characters. There's like some random night hill doing a mission. Mm -hmm. Um 
which yeah so mike actually in our chat let me know that that was in there because mine was delayed coming from my lcs but yeah it was a it was a fun issue it was a fun little thing I, they didn't tell us it was going to be in there but um yeah you can oh, go nice find surprise. out a little a little little john i love the the art on this it, like kind of like cam kennedy-esque colors yeah, and watercolor yeah, on that. this first page at least on the first page yeah, to have wa- watercolored green. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, a nice, cool. nice little surprise. Fancy surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Bam. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are going to go around and rate this as we usually do. Um, so I am going to start with Caleb. Caleb, what do you rate this uh, book and, and give a brief explanation as to why? Okay, uh, out of 10, I liked it. I think repeated, re- repeated rereads have actually made it not as well-remembered in my mind. So I think maybe it's like a, sitting at a very comfortable 7.5, 7.5. It's still really good. It could probably be a little, I think when I first read it, it was probably in the uh, like an 8, 8.5. But now I've read it a couple more times. I don't know if I am just not paying as close attention as it was, but I feel like I've read this several times over and starting to lose its magic. But let's say 7.5 for now. All right, fair enough. Jacob, how about you? I'm going to go pretty high. I'm going to give it a 9 to start with. Um, nice. I really, for me, the when I read it the first time, it... I, I of course I really like the Marvel series, um, but this one started strong out of the gate. I thought the Marvel is- issues took two or three issues at least to like really get going. Um, so like the fact that this started so strong really helped, and I also I just love all the characters. Like Quartz, my boy, um, I, I love him. <laughs> I, I hope nothing bad ever happens to him. Um, and yeah, like I just I think it's just a very enjoyable comic, and even though it is for all ages i think as a 25 year old man i can enjoy it a lot so i'm gonna give it a nine nice yeah I, I think what you just said there at the end is like the epitome of what star wars is like yeah we're older but like we can enjoy it too um so personally i am going to give this an 8.5 out of 10 i really enjoyed it and and i agree with you jacob i thought that this started stronger uh, than the Marvel series, even though the Marvel series started out really strong as well. Um, I, I definitely was not expecting to enjoy this as much as I have been. Um, the characters are just a lot of fun. Um, I love uh, just how how silly it can be, but it, it doesn't feel like the silliness takes away from anything, which is always a fun balance to strike. Um, I love Daniel Jose Older's writing, and, and I think he's a great comic writer especially i mean we've seen him in like trail trail of shadows which is aimed toward a a more older audience um he can kind of do it all and and i think that this this shows it as well you can still have high stakes even if it's not directed towards an older audience so uh 8.5 from me now tyler is not here tonight however his son mason was able to he, he read this actually and uh which was a, a ton of fun because this is aimed more towards uh his age range so we're gonna have a few clips from mason throughout the night um and he has his rating so let's hear from mason my rating for the entire book would be 
a 9.5 out of 10 is because that book three did not interest me. I was born out of my mind. And book four <laughs> wasn't that fun. It, I wasn't completely bored out of my mind. I was still trying. Book three, I was like trying to zoom through it because I'm like, this is so boring. And yeah, there's a little good parts where they talked about like important stuff about like uh, they talked about like if you do want to become a Jedi, could we train you to become a Jedi? That's like the stuff they talked about that was exciting. Book four, it had a little bit of excitement. I wasn't trying to rush through that. I was still trying to read and see the excitement. There's a little bit of excitement, but it was at the end and at the beginning. The middle was just straight up boring. Harsh, nine, uh, the the harshest rating I've ever, the harshest review I've ever seen for a nine point five rating. I'll say that. I know exactly. Yeah. I, I thought I was the Russian judge here with my seven point five. <laughs> oh, that was great. Well, uh, we're gonna be hearing more from Mason a little later. Uh, this is a ton of fun for us, by the way, because we are adults, and uh, these are not written for us. They are written for people like Mason. So I, I love hearing his perspective. So I'm looking forward to hearing more from him uh, throughout the night. So yeah, I will say, uh, I believe, I believe Tyler said that the reason he like Mason was someone that like, he liked reading the action. So when there were not fight scenes, the, the you know, issues three or four, or whatever, that's when he got bored. So, you know, for, for people that, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I can see that. Like as a kid, you know, you, you know, I, I could see, not caring as much about the the, the quieter character moments man, and it's called star wars but where did all the war yeah. go <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly man <laughs> oh that's fantastic so uh we're gonna jump right into our our summary here before we we dive a little deeper into the meat of this thing um so i'm gonna kick it off uh starting with issue one let's do it the planet of Triumet Four is in the throes of a deadly emergence as the Jedi Padawans under Jedi Master Yoda rush to help save who they can. Planet side, Zine and her friend Krix are looking for an escape and almost find it aboard a Nihil ship. But the Jedi arrive and a firefight ensues. Zine, to save the Jedi and herself, awakens in her her hidden abilities with the Force to drive off a falling chunk of debris. In issue two, the Nihil push the attack against the Padawans as Yoda sneaks aboard the enemy ship. He makes contact with Krix and Yoda gives him a transmitter, which connects to another transmitter that he's going to give Zine, but is chased off of the ship before the Nihil make the jump into hyperspace. Caleb, uh, I'm going to toss it over to you for the boring issue. <laughs> I just relabeled it in the notes to issue three, the boring issue. I saw that. I saw yes. that. But, but, and he's not wrong. It's a very much a setup. Uh, in issue three, Zine uh, makes it back to the uh, Starlight Beacon where she's integrated with the Jedi while on the Gaze Electric. Minor side note here. I think that's the greatest name for a starship I've ever come across in Star Wars. I just love the Gaze Electric as like the name of a ship. It's like, sick. It's, it's great. Anyway, the gaze on the gaze electrics, Crix survives a, what's this, Bogareth fight. 
and impresses the eye of Danai Hill. Now, uh, each side aware of the uh, of the communication communication between the two of them sets up a trap using the same bait of the separated friends. Issue four kicks off with uh, Yoda and the rest of the adult Jedi engaging in a deadly space battle with the Nihil. The Padawans stuck home alone uh, are a little uh, distraught, a little bored, but unfortunately, Crix and the Nihil are setting up a trap on the trash yard moon of Quantrix, which is actually above Ord Mantell. Crix then messages Zine, who she sneaks out to meet up with her friend and bring him back. But Lula and the rest of the Padawans cram themselves into a, into a vector and chase after. Yeah, so then we pick up with issue five. Uh, the battle on the trash moon is heating up between the Jedi and the Nihil. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Crix and Zine make, make contact with each other. Uh, but it's clear that both of them, uh, with their time apart, have uh, come to different agreements on how the galaxy is. Uh, and uh, yeah, they are torn apart by the Nihil and the Jedi. Um, so they go from there. And uh, after that, Zine decides to dedicate herself to her new friends while Crix um, alternatively stays with the Nihil and becomes a, a little minty of Martian Roe. <laughs> yes, we get helmetless Martian Roe in this, in this book. That's uh you know, hot, hot Martian. Oh, no. Mar- Martian. Well, we, we don't have to say that. If you no. figured out yourselves. <laughs> Go on Twitter. <laughs> You'll see. Yes. <laughs> uh, his entire squad. So that was the kind of brief rundown here. So let's talk a little bit more about the meat and potatoes of this whole story, the characters. Um, we didn't mention her too much by name, but kind of the main central character of this whole uh, this whole narrative is Jedi uh, Padawan Lula Talsola. Tally Sola. Tally Sola. Tally Sola. I wasn't probably put a little hyphen there, so I know where that is. Yeah, Lula Tally Sola. Uh, she's kind of our main character. She's a, a kind of a major point of view character for the very first issue. Um, Got a couple discussion questions here. So, of our main characters, like, how do we feel about her? Like, what when we think back to her character, like, what are some of the things that jump out to you too? I think I think that the main thing that jumps out to me is how she questions herself as a Jedi. She questions like her confidence and how she thinks everybody around her is definitely confident in what they're doing even though they're not, I mean, nobody's had to deal with a threat like the Nihil before. And she feels very self, uh, self-conscious about her, uh, her abilities in battle and saving people. She doesn't feel like she's ready yet. And I liked seeing that perspective, honestly, um, especially in somebody so young. Uh, she has these great masters to look up to. I mean, she's like traveling the galaxy with Master Yoda and buckets of blood like she's she's got some really awesome uh, awesome mentors there, so she definitely has, uh, you know, some some doubts about herself, and I think it's going to be really great to see. And this is kind of informed a little bit by reading ahead, obviously, because there's been we're through eleven issues now, but mm-hmm. seeing how her confidence grows, I think that above all, I think that's like really important for kids to see. Like you can doubt yourself get better at your skill or at what you do and then feel better about it, I guess. So I, I think that overall, I think she's just a great vehicle for this 
overarching lesson. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I, like, I think when I first started reading this, I was very scared because we had, at least how it was presented early on, it was like you have um, Vernestra, who's like the best Padawan ever, and you have Wreath, who's mm. like the best Padawan like of all of his friends, and then you have Lula, who's like the best Padawan on the like Star Skyhopper, Starhopper. I think it's Starhopper is their ship. Starhopper, yeah. Yeah, it's like you have all these three people which are like the best. And it's like, well, that's kind of. At first, I was like, that's kind of boring. Like they, they all, like they all kind of sound the same. But like I've, I've been so happy over, you know, the past two phases to see how they have grown and become very different from each other. And I think for Lula, a lot of that is her. You know, she's despite the fact she's completely capable. We like we haven't seen her fail yet, really. Um, right. She's still like questioning herself and and like unsure and always like second guessing everything um so i I think that's it's it's an interesting way to take it especially as someone who (laughs) is second guessing everything they're doing with exams coming up this week uh you know it it is uh it is a bit um you know i i I feel i feel lula uh pretty strongly so okay well i mean that just proves to you that these lessons can you know they're meant for kids but they they can totally apply to adults that is like the perfect example of that absolutely Uh, yeah so just that kind of bleeds into my next question i wrote here um does she do a lot to differentiate herself from the other padawans we have seen before like in not just in the high republic but like throughout all the star wars extended universe extended canon like the young padawan who is unsure of their standing and their beliefs for lack of a better term that's not something that's necessarily new into our narratives in star wars would you agree disagree how do you feel about that and does she do a lot lot to change herself out of the kind of weird stereotype that we've had not saying she's stereotypical but i don't know if it's new but i I definitely don't think it's common like it's not like i mean we contrast her with anakin who's like i am the best at everything why are you not letting me be the best at everything like i it's a little bit a little bit of uncertainty like pretty pretty um i guess it's it, yeah it's not atypical but i don't think it's like like it's we're not seeing this all the time i think what she does differentiate herself with the most is her the amount she values her friends around her mm. um you know you, you like especially with the whole issue of jedi and attachment you don't see the level of friendship i don't think um among jedi uh as much you might see a one-on-one like you'll see like a you know obi-wan and anakin being very close or like anakin and and ahsoka be very close but you never see like a group of like four jedi just like being total pals yeah that's exactly what i was gonna bring up i mean yeah we've seen a lot of, of padawans uh you know have doubts in themselves but nobody has ever had a support system like lula has um, and I think that's really cool. Um, although I think it could be, uh, you know, some breeding grounds for things like attachment, which I mean, arguably she already has, but at the same time, it could be, it's an argument for another time, but is that a bad thing? I don't know. Exactly. Just- the high Republic has definitely in their Jedi throughout this whole, uh, <clears throat> I was about to say experiment, but throughout this whole project, like jedi and attachment seems to have been a very major theme that all the writers were on board with when they were uh when they're pinning their stories you know speaking of speaking of that you got daniel jose older writer this comic writer of raced crash point tower and has one of the one of my favorite i I should 
I just voted for the Utinis today, and it bothered me that I didn't like add this as a quote. But like the conversation between Lula and Vern in Race to Crash Point yes. Tower about attachment is one of the best Star Wars things I've read in like years. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. That that just hit me like so hard. Sometimes I just want to go like flip back through that book and and read that that part because man, it was so good. I mean, again, like we said before, Lula has so many awesome role models around her. And Vern is another one of those that, mm-hmm. that Daniel wrote in, in uh, Race to Crash Point Tower, just giving her some of the best, most solid advice you could possibly get. It's amazing. Yeah. Very now, nice. Now that I've read Out of the Shadows, it even hits different. So yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Like coming at me. Look at you guys being all caught up with all the canon series. I'm not all caught up at all. You're far more advanced than I am. Uh, okay, so here's a fun thing. Since we're talking about a bit about attachment and her, uh, you know, her friendships here, the very first issue does a lot of mirroring between Lula and Zine, very specifically. Mm-hmm. Like it is uh, the first issue, like it, they are doing like direct parallels between the two, but it's not something that like those direct parallels are not something that are necessarily cashed in on or like brought up again as the for the next uh, four issues. Do we feel like the series should have focused more on those direct parallels or were we happy with how they took these characters and they're still connected, but it's no longer like the uh, central point of the series as the first issue might've made it appear. Well, I, I have to say first that when I saw the art in the first few pages with like all the or the first issue really with the mirroring and stuff like that I literally dropped the book and said out loud dyad okay follow me here mm-hmm. like like it is such strong dyad vibes they are two halves of the same force energy or something like that yes exactly see what see what Jacob is is showing because yeah this has dyad written all over it. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And I hope that we follow back up on 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 that thread because they didn't they didn't do that by accident. Like they, mm-hmm. this was done on purpose. They were meant to find each other. You don't have to be a, a Jedi to be part of a dyad. Like I I don't think that that's a rule. I think all you have to do is like use the force, which clearly she can. I mean, she held up this gigantic piece of falling debris from the sky with the force she's like absolutely incredible and and so i i hope that that we follow up more on that on that thread um i i wish that we got to focus a little bit more on on lula and and zine's budding relationship i would say like yeah they became fast friends but uh zine was focused quite a bit on cricks in this book um and i think it would have been cool to kind of explore you know, she's just met all these new people, basically just been thrown into a new family that that she loves. And and what is that like getting to know them? Um, but yeah, overall, I just I got diet on the brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think more than like there's definitely. I, I, I like I also had the same diet thought at first and I think just like in general we're we're just it's just a nice way to show like story parallels with artistic parallels like you have similar experiences across the like here like this last panel like you still got like you got the mirror thing but it's yep. Cric- Cricks and Zine yeah. so exactly it, that, that kind of thing happens a few times I, I think it's just just creative visual storytelling is what I would say okay uh yeah so 
since we were on the topic of Zine, uh, Zine Morala is our Force-sensitive newbie to this whole sort of thing. Uh, I really liked her character a lot. Um, she's kind of like the child of like this weird, reclusive community that she had to hide her powers it's, growing it's up. It's a cult. Uh, we can just say it's, it. a, it's a cult. Okay, I like, I, I can't dance, like when I was through the issues, I was like, I guess we should call it a cult. But like, I guess we can go ahead and do that. But like, she had to like hide her force powers growing up from like the fellow members of her cult. Is this the right decision you guys think? Like, what, like, what was going on there? Do you have any initial thoughts about that? Yeah, I really, uh, this, th this whole storyline hit me pretty hard. Uh, Cause um, although it is not an experience I have shared um, well, as in, I have not shared this experience. I don't have this experience. Not that I've not shared it with other people. No, I, it really struck me as a um, parallel to people who have been persecuted for coming out of the closet um, because mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. someone who yeah. comes out, shares an intimate thing about themselves that they cannot change um, and is judged by it for by people she thought were friends and family uh, and then is accepted into a found family, which we have a nice picture. If I go back a few panels, not the fight, not that. I don't know. There's a hugging panel in here somewhere. I'd maybe not have not included it, but yeah. Um, she is accepted by a newfound family just because she's a good person, not because of these, um, these aspects about herself, which she can't control. So I, it, it, it's yeah. Like there's a hug in issue five amongst all the Jedi's Jedi on the beacon with Zine. And that hit me pretty hard. Um, and I think it's a great way to, again, if we're having an all ages comic, it's a great way to not necessarily be like, here is this real life issue that you might have to deal with. It's, hey, kids, you know, it's great to be accepting of people for whatever, you know, like, you know, that like if they're nice people, you don't have to like let them be them and just be a friend kind of thing. I'm so glad you made that connection. Like, oh, that just made me feel so warm inside. I mean, the whole thing with her being accepted into the Jedi so quickly was it was so heartwarming and and it made me have a lot of like respect for the Jedi because I highly doubt that the Jedi we know in like the prequel trilogy would do something like that. Um, well, they, they obviously did everything they could not accept Anakin because he was too old yeah. for these series. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah, I mean, too old to begin the training. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because they say that Zine's not old enough to be a Jedi, but they'd love to keep her around. And I, you know, I, I just thought that that was lovely. And let's face it, like Star Wars is literally all about found family and this is just like another one of those found family situations and unfortunately i think that um like Crix's story is also kind of a found family but in a really crappy <laughs> way um <laughs> just i guess while we're on the topic yeah. um yeah i don't know it's um it's good zine is a very interesting character i, I like that she's exploring her force abilities with Lula, you know, in, in meditating and things like that. Um, while also sort of not having any expectations on her of being a Jedi, you know, she doesn't have to have the pressure of, you know, the, the formality of the thing and just exploring what the force feels like. And, and Zine said something in the comic, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, she's never felt more comfortable in herself when she's around the Jedi. And that to me is like, that's the definition of a good found family. You feel comfortable around them. They accept you. You accept them. 
you love them. You have a good time with them. And it, it actually can, it, I couldn't help but think of like Utini when she said that, like you, you feel at home with this group of people, you share the same interests, you love each other, you, you know, do really cool things together. And, um, yeah, zine, I think every, everybody can see themselves even a little bit in zine. And I think that's why she's such a great character. Absolutely. I think, wow, that, I wish can put a nail on that whole subject there. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, that was, uh, anything else to add there? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, let's keep this, uh, zine train rolling. Um, now, I did allude to this, that it seems like the connection between Lula and Zine was kind of the uh, first part of the driving force, but it very quickly between became a uh, an issue, a kind of a fox and a hound between Zine and her childhood friend, Crix. And they were the main driving plot of this force. Uh, like, I really did like Crix's uh, story, or the case Electric, with the, um, with, the, uh, with the Nihil. How do we feel like, did we feel like uh, she was pushing her her side of the story enough do you feel like she was making the right decisions or you were engaged when you were around her with the jedi uh, compared to the other side of things hmm. that's an interesting question i i think i think i would say yes to that question i think i think i was like I was definitely more interested in Zine than Cricks. And I think just because in general with the higher public stuff, I am more interested in the Jedi of this era than I am with the Nihil. But um, I thought that her longing for still having Cricks like in her life somehow was very interesting. It's like she wants to be with him, but knows that she shouldn't because he's, he's not going to accept her. And he's also probably bad now we know he is but she doesn't know that um so yeah i thought that that dichotomy was interesting like wanting to like having a longing for someone but knowing that you can't for multiple reasons exactly and one last little question before we move on to craig's uh do we feel like zine is jumping from one cult to another cult. Do we feel like mm -hmm. she's just swapping out her like really orthodox, very uh, almost repressive sort of uh, society for a different, maybe less repressive society? Like the Jedi, we, keep in mind, we are very used to seeing Jedi in the Clone Wars era and in, yeah. you know, right before that era where they're very, very brown robes and staunch and very, Mm, protective of their environments we we're definitely seeing a different side of the jedi this 300 years ago but do we feel like she is changing from one cult to another how do you guys feel about that yeah i i i don't think so and here's why there was a part i don't remember which issue is in but uh they were talking about what they should do about zine on, on starlight and lula said well we should ask the person's whose opinion matters most uh zines and uh i think that it was clear to me that zine has the option to leave when she wants uh if she wants to but she's choosing to stay because she truly enjoys the company of the people around her so in that way i do not think that she traded cults um 
I think that sometimes that line is kind of hard based on our history with the, like our personal history with the Jedi, not like get galactic mm-hmm. history with the Jedi. And also the fact that the Jedi like are a, a, a what could be seen as a religious group um, of people that, that could be seen as somewhat controlling when you get into their ranks. Um, but yeah, I, I'd have to say no. I, I don't think that she swapped cults. Yeah, I mean, even if she did, it's definitely an, an improved cult. Like, we'll, we'll just, you know. <laughs> no. That's true. Okay, perfect. Um, speaking of bad cults here and bad kids from a bad crowd, uh, Crix, um, he's, I, I know my little side note here, is, is he a b- good kid in a bad crowd? Like, you will dive into this a little bit more. Uh, how did we feel about his, like, his side of the story? Because, again, it, it felt like, not that you're pulling the wool out from under us, but when episode issue like two and three started and we were like really diving into his side of the story here, how would we uh, abort, how did we feel when the story switched over to his perspective aboard the uh, Gaze Electric? Were we as engaged? Were we happy? Like how was he as like a main character in his story? Man, I I did not like Crix. Um he drove me crazy. I did not like the way he treated Zine and was kind of like, I'll protect you. But at the same time, you know that like the underlying message is, uh, it's like the fine print in a contract. He's like, but only if you don't use your force powers. Um, I, th- I thought that he was like, I don't know, just really controlling. Um, although in some ways I do feel bad for him because he doesn't have the situation that Zine has. Zine can leave the Jedi if she wants to. Crix cannot leave the Nihil. He would definitely be killed for doing that. Um, so in a way, he is definitely trapped. And I think to go back to the cult thing, we got we we have tiers of cults here. We've got we've got the um the Nihil as the worst. We've got uh you know whatever they were on Triment for, uh, oh, yeah. and then we have the Jedi. Um so so yeah, Crix definitely is in the worst situation. I just I didn't like the way he treated Zine, and I still don't. I think I think he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> I I really like Crix a lot, but then again, I, when I was rereading it, I was more focusing on his character for my various rereads. I think I'm re- I'm really glad we got an idea of how a normal person I use air quotes there for the audio listeners can become a Nihil. Like we've heard and seen in the things like, oh, like, you know, we recruit people. That's a way to increase your ranks and you're standing in the Nihil. But like seeing firsthand how someone can be taken from like a nobody and then put into the Nihil as a member to ranks. And like for a lack of a better term, he was kind of very easily accepted into the Nihil. It's not like he like he had to go through like a trial, but like no one that we were seeing was um, like mean to him or cruel to him. It's not like he was like a prisoner aboard the Air Starship either. Definitely, he like, did have to go through a deadly, was, the box snap sort of thing. Yeah, he. I mean, he was uh, uh, he was emotionally manipulated to true and he, he was just but he was emotionally conditioned to be an emotionally manipulative because of his cult background yeah. <laughs> oh yeah all roads lead back to that original I, cult man i don't know like i started out being sympathetic to him and i guess like part of me still like i guess can see the fact that not everything's his fault 
Uh, but it's like I started out being sympathetic to him. I'm like, okay, well, like he's just a bad kid in a bad situation. And then he goes around and treats Zine like garbage. And I'm like, well, no, this guy sucks. Like, I'm he, sorry. Did, he did do that. He did. He did definitely treat his uh, childhood friend like a uh, like garbage. Though I, f- I forget of the exact order of operations. Did she try to force choke him first? No, no. He accidentally shot her out of the sky, not really that. realizing mm-hmm. it was her. And then she force choked him. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be pretty angry at him too, but you know, obviously that doesn't like excuse that. And I thought that Lula, I, I'm glad that you brought up that moment because I think it, I think it's important that we talk about this. That was a very interesting moment with how Lula handled that when she came across Zine force choking Cricks, how she just calmly said, that's not how we do things. And I thought it was interesting. Like she didn't get mad at her. She didn't chastise her. It, it was like a learning experience, like a learning opportunity. I thought that was, that was very exactly. cool. Exactly. Because if it was Mace Windu, he would have chopped someone's arm off. And called them a citizen, right? After. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah. And so that's kind of Crix's character. Uh, there's a couple of smaller, like, side characters that play a little bit more into here. We do have to talk about him. Uh, Court, our strong silent type. Uh kind of our breakout character to sort of thing like a lot of people are instantly attached to him but why why is it that we're all drawn to these uh strong silent ones like is there something about just them not filling up the pages with uh dialogue that makes us interesting like more attracted to them like why why do you think court is so appealing for like a better term I think this panel shows it pretty well is that even though he doesn't say anything intelligible he has a lot of like uh, he, if you pay attention to him in the background of panels, he has a lot of like physical comedy uh, that lends like that makes him very lovable. Like here, where like his eyes are xed out and he's like being like mm-hmm. like a mummy, and there's like one where he's in like the like yeah. Just look if you ever see a panel and quartz in it in the background, pay attention because he's probably doing some some funny stuff. Uh, he's yeah, just like, he's a very lo- lovable. The funny thing to me is like, isn't that a mask? And how is his, uh, how are his Don't eyes exed it. out? It, it's like, like <laughs> it's like, it's like anime, like just whatever. <laughs> That's what makes it more funny to me though. Like it, it's just so, it's like, it's like asking the question, why do people like Geode? I couldn't tell you, but I love him. Yeah. It's the same thing with Court. I love him. I couldn't tell you why. He's awesome. <laughs> Exactly. I know that's like very helpful when we're trying to analyze things, but (laughs) but sometimes less is more, and like you know, maybe we get a project a little bit more into court. But as I said, or maybe the artists go a little extra in making him, you know, his physicality, his his uh, characterization, just a lot of fun. And like we see a lot more of him in future episodes, and he's great. He is a lot of fun. The other one we can't. the one who takes up the uh, lion's share of his dialogue is Farzala, the brain of the group. Um, like, you know, I, I personally liked Farzala a lot. I think he's my, he's the one I, I really enjoyed a lot. So when we see him a lot more in the next volume, it's really great. Kind of the wiser of the Padawan trio here. Now, it, here's my question. Is he truly wise or does it just the fact that he has big old sideburns make him look smarter? <laughs> um, both, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he does have like amazingly luscious hair um yeah i don't know he, i think he he definitely he's wise beyond his years he doesn't give me a padawan vibe very often which i think is cool i love how 
Quartz kind of his little sidekick. I think that's cool. Uh, actually, when they were when they were acting out um, the battle at Triumph for for the Jedi Masters, he was just so funny. He he reminded me of somebody like trying to, to describe what happened in a Star Wars movie. Uh, it, it was incredible, kind of like what we would do, making sound effects mm-hmm. with our mouths. And he just he has a love of life. I think that's that's just what I I love about him so much. Yeah, I I I I will say I I just think it's hard to I I like him. I think it's hard to give an informed opinion on him until you talk about volume two. Exactly. I like agree. He's he's definitely playing second banana to in the the story wise. But I'm glad you're signing him up for future things. You know, and then we did that for those who don't know. In volume two, it focuses him on him on court doing a mission. And then we kind of go back to the um to uh to Lula and scene. But you know that's kind of the main overarching characters we have a couple others like yoda and buckets of blood who do great great character work here Um, speaking of yoda really quickly uh i have to mention uh it is now canon that yoda makes pastry treats so that's like that's like my favorite thing to come out of the comics and forever he said he you know he he brought zine who was upset he brought her pastry treats and buckets of blood was eating it and then when they were in battle buckets of blood was like yo yoda can i have your recipe man those cookies were amazing it was just it was it's just peak peak content yeah. really Buck, buckets <laughs> of blood main character arc is just learning how to bake it's great exactly yeah now it'll be the next spinoff comic that, that's, that's, that's that's what dark horse is working on guys that's I do. well uh <laughs> greg pack is doing a cookbook so maybe dso can do one as well oh really oh amazing yeah we should definitely have uh uh, Yoda and Torben Buck's uh, recipe uh, well, of awesome oh, uh, The Blade of Bardotta, uh, Ingle Porter's uh, Porter's yeah, eggs, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Should we now move on to some of these larger overarching uh, plot questions here, I guess? Uh, I believe we have a clip from Mason about what oh, yes. he thought of some characters. Yeah, let's uh, yes, roll that beautiful footage. My favorite character was Crix because he went to to from a good guy becoming a bad guy so quickly and suddenly because in the first book he just he just turned from a good guy from a bad guy out of nowhere he just got mad that they threw him on the ship and he became a bad guy somehow Uh i I knew i liked him i knew i liked him great choice great choice (laughs) i i can't say i agree with you mason but you know i gotta respect it (laughs) just out of nowhere became a bad guy that's how it works just that's just how it goes you know you wake up on the wrong side of the bed suddenly you're just (laughs) suddenly you're uh, holding entire uh, solar systems ransom all right exactly all right, so let's get into some of these big plot questions. Okay, so for a majority of the story, we're dealing with two childhood th- friends who are thrust apart. Um, have like have we we saw this story a little bit in Lost Stars, our Utini's uh, goat essentially, um, but maybe not so where so much more in other Star Wars stories. Like it, like this is a fun story. Do we feel like we need to see more of this? Like, how do we feel about this uh, this like character arc that we're seeing play out here? I think it's, uh, I think it's cool. I like the premise. I think 
I would like to see more of it in the future. I, I do think it's more interesting maybe if they were like fighting for the same cause or um, both generally good or generally bad um, and to sort of be separated by some sort of a circumstance. Um, I think what frustrated me about sort of their their relationship and being separated was how how it ended on like a really bad note oh definitely neither of them neither of them were happy with the other and now they're separated and can't fix it and I think that to me like it just like bothered me because I would hate that um so yeah I I don't know I I do like that that storyline of of being separated uh, but wish it ended uh, better for them <laughs> exactly like i was like star wars visions like there are a lot of ones that needed some follow-up from and we needed to see more of those stories there was the one of the uh two uh force twins you know the good one and the bad one the uh mm. the one by trigger and that was a really like dynamic visually one i would like to see maybe where that goes from the future because again like having the, it, I, I'm kind of a sucker for a story and I think Star Wars needs a few more stories where they can tell stories from both the good guy and the bad guy perspective so we have a like a more dynamic view of what this universe is doing here um, I just got through reading Dooku uh, or sorry was it Lost Jedi no Dooku uh, Jedi, Jedi Lost, Lost. no nope, not that one uh, Dark Disciple Dark um, Disciple yes yeah, yeah, and, and that was a great one to see like kind of like a first person narration and what the uh night sisters are up to and what those Mm. sorts of magics were done and i love when star wars expands beyond its uh beyond the movies that's why i'm here with this community so i can help engage in the eu sort of discussions so that sort of good guy bad guy split at birth sort of thing gives us so much like range of uh of a story so much more range of and world building explanation so like this is like some of the most in-depth parts of uh, watching how some of the night hill structure works that we've seen in a in you know in some of these uh ones so i'm really glad that we got to see this yeah i agree absolutely so speaking of uh night hill and accepting here on the flip side i think we touched on this a little bit uh but the jedi do accept zine among them pretty much without any issue uh, do you think this is wise for the Jedi, or do you think they're being naive? I think it's pretty typical of what you would expect from a High Republic era Jedi. Like they're much more, mm. I think, much more in tune with the galaxy around them than what we're used to, and I think they're much more willing to be open and caring for people. Like especially if if, if you read the Insider issue short stories, you know, going full nerd. Uh, they, uh, I mean, like <laughs> you have like the like you see the inner workings and in, like the day to day operations of Starlight Beacon, where you're like taking in people like from around the galaxy who need medical care or like some like whatever like you know whenever there's someone in need they're willing to go out and help them and i think i don't think it's too out of the question for hey you have this person who is ostracized from their community also their planet basically got blown up or their moon uh, they live on moon uh yeah so like what are they going to do? Well, I guess if no one else is going to take care of them, then the Jedi are going to take care of them until they get some figured out. So I think it makes sense. Although we see that a little bit in um, another High Republic story and it doesn't go very well for, for the other person. But um, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so let's run down this one. Oh yeah. So 
uh, speaking of Jedi and like you touched on this a bit, but Zine and Crix's like previous cult, previous community was very, very adamantly anti-Jedi. Do we feel like that fear is maybe justified in the greater Star Wars universe? Um, you know, do we feel like you know maybe telling your kids to kids to stay away from Jedi would be something that we would do in the Star Wars universe I don't know how do you guys feel about that oh that that's an interesting question would we be skeptical of Jedi if they were in our universe that's interesting I think a lot of well I'll say first I would be interested in learning what exactly happened to make them distrust the Jedi so much like there had to be something that happened yeah 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 yeah, and then and then the second thing that I will say is that I think a lot of the problem that people in the galaxy have with Jedi is just that it's they're mysterious. Like, how how do they? If everybody has the Force, how come they have these like crazy powers? And how come some people have uh, different ways to wield the Force and other people don't? Like, I think that there's a lot of mystery around them, and people don't like what they don't know. I think uh, is what it boils down to. Exactly. Like I would be nervous around like a personally speaking, I'd be nervous around like some sort of essentially government agent who has free reign to do whatever they want and can also bend your will to match your, uh, your own or their own. Like that, that yeah. a concept of having like someone who is so far even above the law that normal rules of physics don't apply to them and like having no regulation over them. It just seems would seem like a lot of people would be relatively anti-jedi here yeah i was like yeah like i said if there's a reason then it's a little bit more understandable and i i i'm pretty sure i don't know exactly what it is but i i, I know where they're going with it um and that's elder tromach mentions in issue five or issue four i think issue four or five that he had met yoda on dalna and we mm. know like the dawn i believe yeah the dalnans don't like the jedi Something had gone down there before. Oh, right. So that's some, yeah, some lore stuff right there. Yeah. So I I think in the next phase of books, we will probably find that out. Exactly. Because the other thing is the whole reason why Elder Tormak is working with the Nihil is because he has secret knowledge of a very distinctly anti-Jedi weapon that the Nihil desperately wants. So do you think Elder Tormak and that cult, you know, is... is made a reason they have this weapon is because of their distrust for Jedi, or maybe they've learned a distrust of Jedi because they have this weapon. Mm, I think so. Yeah. Like I think, um, I think that Elder Tromac was kind of, uh, more willing to help the Nihil get the weapon because of their dislike of and distrust of Jedi. Um, I think, I do think that it, it seemed that he was starting, although he wasn't fully trusting, he was starting to trust Yoda a little bit more. Um, I think after he saw, um, how the Jedi truly cared for their people, uh, in the escape on Trimet 4, even though they didn't trust them, they, you know, they they didn't trust the Jedi, but the Jedi weren't going to leave them behind. And I think he respected that. So, you know, I, I think. I think he's going to change his mind. I think he's going to regret whatever he's done. And I think whatever he's done is going to have some big consequences. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so one last question before we get into Easter eggs, and this is an our camp one. So on board the Gaze Electric, he has an entire uh, Bogareth entire fighting ring here. Like, 
Mm. like that seems like such a wild thing to have up on aboard your personal starship like they didn't go to the space station they didn't go uh planet side you're like oh i have an entire bullfighting rink in my ship like what sort of sports arena do you think like other night he'll have do you think look the aboard the lorna d she has like a giant like uh tennis court or something <laughs> definitely something like uh like big game hunting or something and she I just was, she just gets a bunch of like wild animals and lets them run free and shoots them off <laughs> something I was like that say, for her i could see a uh a blurg racetrack Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely some sort of racetrack there like it that just seems to be like a weird thing like you know i guess like on a every single night hill ship they have to have at least like one foosball table for every like four, <laughs> five people yeah i mean they need to be entertained they need something to gamble on they need something that's dangerous um you know if somebody crosses them they need a pit to throw them into um yeah it's just it's standard procedure man <laughs> yeah, and Kasov's ship definitely had like a like a nightclub somewhere in there. Mm. oh yeah absolutely oh, yeah. Uh, well i imagine the entire ship was essentially a nightclub yeah, like true. you know, like everyone has their own personal smoke machine walking around yeah absolutely. and like what was that like punk or what is yeah, it called punk rock rec punk rec punk yeah yeah rec punk is playing like all the time even at night when you're trying to sleep <laughs> sleep on casa's ship nah we got uppers for that strobe lights and yeah smash, okay. smash bulbs and wreck punk oh yeah all right so jacob uh speaking let's end out with some normal tradition you did the deep dive through wikipedia and pulled out a couple things so what sort of easter eggs lie beneath the surface of volume number one I have, I have a handful, not too many. I tried to, like, if, if there's, like, something where it's like, hey, this was mentioned in Light of the Jedi, unless it was, like, significant, I'm not going to, like, say, I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, yeah, that. Uh, so, uh, but I picked out a few. So, the Tremont system, which we started on, uh, the that disaster is mentioned in Daniel Jose Older's, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back story about 4LOM and Zuckus. Um, and then on... Uh, Martian, Martian's ship, not not the Gaze Electric, but his little like spider ship. Uh, Yoda finds a box that glows purple, uh, and that is a teaser uh, for something that happens in Wave Two or Phase Two. Phase Two, right? Like Phase uh, Wave I, Two. Wait, I no, Wave think... Two. Of phase and I get one. so confused with Wa it. Wave Two, yeah. Phase One. All right, yeah. So that's a, a teaser. <laughs> if you've read Rising Storm, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Elder Tromach tells Cricks about the. Carve a shark ruins, which show up in the first issue of Trail of Shadows. Um, then the the junk moon of Quan Chi uh, was first mentioned in the novel Aftermath: Life Debt by Chuck Wendig, oh. uh, and it contained in that book the Emperor's yacht, the Imperialis, which is the same one that was wrecked from the Lando miniseries. No so, way! That's so cool. Mm, what? Egg, the Easter egg, the Easter egg, yeah, all across all these things. Um, oh my god. So then Yoda and Tromac, uh, actually, here we go. They met on Dalna in the past, and Dalna has been name-dropped a ton throughout the High Republic and is the home planet of the main character, or one of the main characters from A Test of Courage, Honesty Weft. Um, ah. Then you have uh, Savrip, which is like the big monster in like uh, the 
issue four. That the, uh, that the, uh, no, issue five is that issue five. It's one that the uh, locals on the junk moon summon yeah. with their tin cans. Yeah, the giant like monster thing. That's uh, the Savrip species is one of the pieces of Dejaric or space chess. Um, here's a fun one. Uh, Quart. You know, he like speaks in intelligible um, language the whole time. Well, it's here's the thing. It's not actually unintelligible. Uh, someone figured out like a few months ago that it's using a font type called Xeno Tribal. You can just Google oh Xeno Tribal, Tribal font and uh, transcribe what he's saying. I have not done so, um, but apparently it's like it's usually you know he still is like speaking one to two words every speech bubble, so it's not like anything crazy. But yeah, you can figure out what he is. No saying. No way, that is insane. Uh, and then thank you, internet. Lastly, we see at the end of the issue, or at the end of the volume, we see Yoda and Elder Tromac flying over this planet, or moon, trying to figure out what's going on with the Nihil, and um, it, he's left in a bit of an uncertain state, and uh, flashing forward, we haven't seen him in a while, uh, but his fate is mm. at least somewhat explained in Race to Crash Point Tower. Um, there's a little Easter egg that kind of hints to what happened to him, and if you pay very close attention, uh, you might see that, so... Yeah, those are the Easter eggs from Volume 1. Yeah, good job as always. I remember um, when I was reading Race to Crash Point Tower, I didn't pick up on it, and you were, you were the one that actually told me about it. So I was uh, I was thankful for that. Because yeah, it was from our, our uh, interview with Daniel Jose Older. Because when we, when That's we, right. when we That's did right. it, you and Eric had read it because you were on the review team, and I had not read it yet. Yeah. So he's like, there's an Easter egg with Yoda. So I was like just like staring at every page like, where is Yoda? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I, I felt pretty dumb too. He was like, "Yeah, did you catch that thing with Yoda?" And I was like, "Oh my god, should I have?" But it's pretty hard to catch. Yeah, like it doesn't mean paying attention. His name's not mentioned. I don't think once in the entire book. So, yeah, you gotta be you gotta be eagle-eyed. All right. So um, before we go around and re-rate it, um, I'd like to hear from Mason one more time. He is going to tell us about his favorite moments in this book. Oh. My favorite part is when the Nihil, I mean, when Crix was trying, was thought that Zine was a Jedi and got a rocket launcher and <laughs> Zine. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it because somehow when in the first story they were best friends, all lovey-dovey, and then and then all of a sudden. Oh, take that! Oh, ha, 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 ha. Wow! Oh my goodness! I love a rocket launcher too, Mason. I mean, you're right, man. <laughs> I, I think I'm just being reminded that Mason is a young boy, and it's like, yeah, seeing the the dude shoot down the girl ship, a spaceship. Yeah. It's great, <laughs> and it was a that was a fun scene. I think if I had to say my favorite moment, it would be the one right after that, like the confrontation on the junk heap, as like like. You know, it starts with the two of them, you know, uh, Crix and, and Xena, like, uh, you know, uh, you are Zine and Crix, you know, talking and arguing, like the escalation of that. And then the Nihil show up and try to take him away. And then the Jedi show up. And then the next Nihil ship shows up. I, I love that escalation of that entire, like, you know, conclusion there. But yeah, he's, he's absolutely right. Shooting that down with the uh, rocket launcher, peak Star Wars. Really I, great. I, th I think uh, this is a, a very good. Um, showing or, or, or just a way to show how 
yeah, these all ages comics, they 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 are for everyone because like you know you yeah. have the Crick shooting down the spaceship for the Masons of the world, but then you have the found family story for the adults of the well, you know it's also for Mason too. But like mm-hmm. that's gonna yeah. we're, we are probably gonna appreciate that more than him at least right now. So I, I yeah, it's great that you can have a little bit a, a little something for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you to Mason uh, for doing that. I know. Tyler had an absolute blast uh, hanging out with Mason and asking him some questions. Uh, it, it was really cute that that Mason wanted to. Uh, he wrote notes uh, on on the book, so I, I thought that that was just awesome. So that, and it was fun for us to hear it from from a kid's perspective. So that was awesome. Let's um let's rewrite the book before we get on out of here. Uh, I will start with where we began, and that is Caleb. Caleb, do you change your rating? Absolutely. I think talking more about this and I'm reminded of all the good parts I really, really enjoyed on my first read through. Uh, it does a great job of setting things up. I really love the narrative structure. You know, I said, I think I said it was a 7.5 the first time around. I'll, I'll make this a big up. I'll say 8.5. It's absolutely worth a read. You should uh, find it at your local store, pick it up and just really enjoy it. It's, uh, it's definitely worth reading all the way through. Awesome. Jacob, how about you? Do you change your, your rating? Um, there are some of the things that, that I had forgotten about that having talked about like the- thematically and stuff like that, that I probably didn't appreciate as much. So in, in my initial rating, so I'll, I'll pop it up to a, I'm gonna go a 9.25. Um, so yeah, I've definitely, again, highly recommend it. Obviously you can be a Mason. You can be, a Tyler, you can be anyone and still enjoy this comic. So, uh, yeah, I would highly recommend it. 9.25 is my final rating. Very good. Um, I started at an 8.5. I think I'm going to go up to an 8.7. It was really, really enjoyable. I think that these characters are going to be really important moving forward. Um, there's a lot of hints at some stuff that's going to be extremely important going forward and has already come to fruition um, in some books. Um, I, I love the humor in it. I love that the humor didn't take away from any of the serious plot points of it. It just added to it. The writing was astounding. The art was fantastic. Like there were so many uh, big battle spreads that I could look at for like 20 minutes and find something new in it. Um, so the art was absolutely stunning. Uh, overall, just really enjoyable. I love the characters of well, all the characters, really, but Zine was a huge standout and Lula as well. So really, really good stuff. So next week, we are going to, sorry, not next week, later this month, my bad. We are going to be doing a War of the Bounty Hunters roundtable because the the trade paperback for uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, the, the main issues, so one through five and the alpha uh, is out. So later this month, we will be uh, doing a roundtable on that and we will give you a more specific date when we have one. All right. With that, that'll do it for episode 31 of the Cosmic Force. Don't forget to like and subscribe the show right here on YouTube, where you can hear us every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to, t- to subscribe to our audio version on whatever pl- podcast platform you listen to. Be sure to visit utini.com for reviews, articles, and news for the entire expanded universe. 
We encourage you to join our Utini Discord community by joining utini.com slash discord. And you can help support the show by heading to Patreon at patreon.com slash utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to J.G. Kars, OK Endar, Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander, and Earl Q on our Jedi High Council, and Matt Billington, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. You can tweet at the show, at Cosmic Force Show, or at the host individually. I'm at IrmaJedi26, Caleb is at Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob is at Jacob Bausch. Thanks again to Caleb, Jacob, and special guest Mason for hosting with me. A special thank you to those of you who tuned in live tonight and to our listeners in the future. We truly appreciate you. See everyone next week, and may the Force be with you. 